Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Weirdos, welcome to episode number 65 of the History for Weirdos podcast. Welcome back, weirdos. <laughs> well, anyways, weirdos, before we hand it off to Stephanie here, I want to make sure that you guys have followed us on Instagram. So mm-hmm. if you haven't done so already, make sure to go ahead and like us or do whatever you need to do on Instagram. Um, and if you have already done that, well, thank you. You thank guys are you awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, we appreciate it. We appreciate all the awesome comments and messages it keeps us motivated so thank you and this week i will be telling a story that is not by any means like uh graphic in any way but you know involves some bummer subjects Ooh! so i just wanted to put that out there at the start of the episode um i don't think there's any particular content warnings but i will be sharing the story of Ona Judge, and I will just get right into it. Okay, sounds good. Ona Judge was a mixed-race woman who was enslaved to the Washington family. Like George Washington. Yep, and I wrote, yes, the Washington family, as in George Washington and his wife, Martha. Oh my goodness. I didn't even put this in my notes, um, because I didn't think about it, but obviously, for those of us in the U.S., George Washington is the first president. He is considered a founding father. Um, who really paved the way for the ideals that this country is built on, such as freedom. Irony. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, the reason that I chose Ona's story to share this week is not because she did anything particularly weird, right? Like, it's just that I think it's unfair that these aren't stories that we were educated with, right? I don't think you were educated with. I didn't even know she... She existed, to yeah. be honest, till I right now. I didn't either until, I think we were in New York once, and we were at a bookstore, and I found a book about her. Oh, cool. And that's when I was like, what? Um, so I'm going to tell her story. She's a weirdo in the good kind of way, and of course, like I said, I think this is the type of history that we're not taught, and that we should be taught. So, um, she was with them at the family's plantation which is the famous mount vernon estate oh yeah i've been there oh yeah and then later after george washington became president she did live with them at the president's house in philadelphia which at the time was the nation's capital yes as many will know mount vernon is famous um and it's in the state of virginia it was the home of george washington and then his wife martha and then it was also home to hundreds of enslaved men, women, and children who lived there under the Washington's ownership. Ona Judge eventually becomes a fugitive for fleeing from the Washingtons to find freedom, and today we will learn her story. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So let's go back a little bit. Okay. Judge was born in about 1773. Her birth record isn't clear. She was born at Mount Vernon. Um, oh, so her parents are probably enslaved people as well. I will get to that. Yeah. Oh. Her mother, Betty, 
was an enslaved woman and her father was Andrew Judge and he was a white English tailor working at the estate as an indentured servant. Oh, okay. Ona had four half-siblings. They each have different fathers um, and we don't have any information to verify whether or not her mom, Betty, and her biological dad, Andrew, had a consensual relationship. Oh, great. I know. And Andrew, come on, dude. Be better. (laughs) Though Ona Judge had a white father, like I said, she is born into slavery under the law called partis sequitur ventrum, which in Latin means that which is born follows the womb. So this was a legal doctrine passed in colonial Virginia in 1662. Oh, wow. As well as other English crown colonies in the Americas. It defined the legal status of children born in the colonies, and it specifically mandated that all children would inherit the legal status of their mothers, that which follows the womb. Right. As such, children of enslaved women would be born into slavery. Oh, my God. And we saw this in a previous episode that we did uh, regarding the young woman who had um, Thomas Jefferson's children. Oh, Sally Hemings. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with... Their father was literally their owner because their mother was enslaved. So they had to be enslaved. And just as a reminder, at the time, enslaved women could be, and all too frequently were, sexually assaulted by white men. And there would be zero legal ramifications for this. This was seen as 100% okay. So that is partially why we don't know if they had a consensual relationship. Um, But back to what we do know of Ona's life. Ona probably lived with Betty in a small cabin near the mansion house. As a kid, she would have been doing simple chores, helping her mother with easy tasks in their cabin, and playing with other children. Okay. Andrew Judge's indentured servitude ended in 1776, but he worked for the Washingtons until 1781. And he remained in that area of Mount Vernon until at least 1784. Uh, we know this because the Washingtons loaned him 12 pounds. Oh, which would have been a substantial amount of money back in the day. Yeah. So they had some sort of trust in him. Yeah. Um, and while we don't know what Ona's relationship was like with her father, it's very obvious that she would have known him as a person at the very least. Right. Because she grew up with him around. Exactly. When Ona was 12, Martha brought her into the mansion house to begin her official training as a housemaid. In April 1789, the Oni, sorry, sometimes they call her Oni, um, was one of seven enslaved people of African descent brought to New York by the Washingtons to work in the presidential residence. And then they changed that to Philadelphia right. in 1790. It's in Philadelphia that Ona is able to experience so many new things because her world was just Mount Vernon growing Mm up. So she gets to try new foods. She sees different forms of entertainment. There's record of her going to see acrobats that came to the city to perform. Um, And she also met lots of new people and learned about different possibilities. She was Martha's preferred maid, and so she traveled with her everywhere. Oh, wow. Since Ona was, and so she knew like all the 
big names of the time, right? Mm -hmm. And since she would have been seen as an extension of Martha's status, she we know that she was very well-dressed all the time. She very frequently had new pairs of shoes purchased for her, whereas the other enslaved folks in the Philadelphia residence didn't have these purchases extended to them. And that's because they weren't, like, bopping around town with Martha. Right. Um, and it's really important to keep in mind that Philadelphia was the center of abolitionism. Ooh, yes, that, I do work. Okay, that, that's mm-hmm. that sounds familiar. And at this time, they had a very uh, a large for for the time free black community. And Ona Ooh. makes friends amongst these folks, and here she's able to learn and absorb from their experiences and their beliefs. George Washington, you've heard of him. I think I've heard of him before. That yeah. name rings a bell. He's the guy with the funny ponytail in the quarter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he recognized that slavery was unpopular in Philadelphia. He's a politician, right? He right. knows that he looks out of place um, yeah. <laughs> doing this horrific thing. And he does begin to replace his enslaved staff in the presidential home, not in Mount Vernon, just in Philadelphia, with white German indentured servants as the people living in bondage pass away. So as someone dies, he's like, I'll get a German person to be my indentured servant instead. Oh my God. And so it's all about optics. It's not even like he was like, oh. Wait, this is terrible. Right, like whereas like John Adams is like, slavery Mm -hmm. is evil. And then George Washington is like, well, but it makes me money so so yeah (laughs) and we know i'll i think i touch on this a little bit later he would have grown up with this being the norm yeah there's no evidence of him actually questioning the morality of slavery until um the revolutionary war he's kind of like wait a second (laughs) (laughs) is this bad i don't know and, um, but we do know for a fact that Martha was like, no, dude, this is chill. Like Martha's like, no, slavery's dope. Yeah. Wow. She was, she came from a very wealthy home. She brought yeah. with her when they married. I know she was the rich one. She was the rich one. And she brought with her a lot of enslaved people. So even though he, he seems to question it in private, not publicly, um, she does not. Jeez. Mm-hmm. It's very, very sad. Um, then March 21st, 1796 happens, which would have been very significant for our girl Ona because this is when Eliza Custis and Thomas Law get married. Why is that significant, you ask? Yes. Why is that significant, Stephanie? Eliza Custis is Martha's granddaughter. Okay. And Martha... Oh, Yeah tells Oni, oh my gosh, guess what? I'm giving you to Eliza as a wedding present. Wow. So you're leaving Philadelphia. You're leaving your family. You'll never go back to Mount Vernon unless you go with her when she's visiting. So <laughs> later in life, once um, Ona's family passes away, she is interviewed mm-hmm. twice Oh. by newspapers. Um and when one reporter asked her what prompted her to run away when she did, right? What was the specific timing? She's a teenager still. Um, Ona replied, 
that I was determined to never be her slave. That was in quotes. Mm. And this is referring to Eliza Custis. This is because Eliza had earned a reputation among the enslaved women that she owned for being highly volatile and erratic. Oh. Which is a really dangerous combination. Yeah. And also, it's I think it's important to mention here, too, that like in 1796, that would be George Washington's president of the United States at this point. He and is it's president, yes. towards the end of his presidency. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so he's powerful. He's very powerful. He has a lot of resources. Right. And it's just, there's honestly, I don't, I feel like this almost doesn't need to be said, but I just want to say it. There's no excuse for what's going on here. Yeah. Um, and you'll see as it continues, it's just so frustrating. So we can imagine she's not excited to be going with this like very unstable, terrible person. Right. I don't blame her. Yeah. On top of that, Thomas Law, the dude that Eliza is married to now has a very bad reputation. Jeez, double whammy. He fathered two illegitimate children in India, and he's rumored to be very aggressive with women. And Ona is in a very scary position if she goes with them. She has literally no... Like, they could do whatever they want to her, and she has no right to complain. Right. So, at some point... During this spring, before she's going to be gifted, this human being is going to be gifted, uh, she makes contacts with members of the free black community and she tells them what's going to happen and they help facilitate her escape. Oh, nice. There are no records of how she uh, did this, how it was coordinated. Mm -hmm. She didn't ever choose to comment on it. That's probably smart. Yeah. Yeah. Just in case, right? Um, She kept everyone's names and things like that either secret or she used like pseudonyms unless the person was white and deceased that helped her right she didn't want anyone to come into harm's way and she didn't Mm. want to prevent yeah she was a sweet person i know so thoughtful yeah she didn't want to prevent anyone from getting help but we know that it was on saturday may 21st 1796 she slips out of the house while the washingtons sit down for dinner And her friends in the free black community had already carried all of her belongings, like the ones that she was going to take, to the port. And they were waiting for her when she arrived on the docks, and she was good to go. To the port? Yeah. Oh, okay. So she left Philadelphia. And once the Washingtons realized that she had escaped, they weren't happy. (laughs) In fact, they were shocked. Shocked. Oh my gosh. So this person who are holding here against her will, she ran away. Oh my goodness. Why would she do that? Why would she? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Um, they believed that they had, and they went on record to say this. They're like, we treated her so well. Why would she leave? God. That's like, you know, you're just so out of touch at that point. The irony, I wrote the irony here physically hurts me. <laughs> that they could not understand, like, why would she choose freedom? For the thing that we fought for. Right, I know. It's like, there's so many levels of irony there. Yeah. Ugh. In response to these sentiments, oh, like, someone um, mentioned that they had said this when they interviewed her much later. She said, in quotes, that... Um, she did not want to always be a slave, and she knew that if she went back to Virginia, they would never give her an, a chance to escape. 
Right. That, and they would never give her her freedom, it sounds like. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, a lot of, what a lot of people don't realize, like, American slavery was particularly tough in, like, the in like the history of the world. Yeah. Like, it was a big status symbol amongst Romans to free your slaves. Like, it was, mm. like, that was, like, the cool thing to do for centuries. And plus, they had way more legal rights than, like, you right. know, enslaved people did in the 1800s. Right. I, I, I know. It's something that I get very frustrated with when you hear arguments of like oh humans always did this not race-based slavery and not to this degree and the level of abuse and like you said lack of rights that people had was just abhorrent and they told her like oh even with their stupid logic of like but we're so nice to you but you also told her you were gonna send her somewhere where they're very not nice exactly so yeah like i know the only other like slave system that was like around like roughly this bad was probably the spartan the spartan one yeah it was particularly rough um why is that i don't want to derail the conversation but um they treated them like utter dirt in fact it was like they would go into the slave populations to like like kill the leaders every single year Oh. There was like a secret police, and we, ironically, we know very little about it within Spartan society. That would, you know, they would go in, try to find like the toughest leaders amongst the enslaved population that called helots, okay, and just kill them. Wow! And try to do it covertly. It was like a game to them. Oh, it was really, really messed up. And did other oh, nations at the time look at this and be like, what "Oh, the? other Greeks, other Greek city states, polises." what they're called mm-hmm. were disgusted by it mm-hmm. like the athenians the athenians had slaves like don't get me wrong but it wasn't to the extent of the spartans. the spartans the spartans had one so many slaves and two they're mostly other greeks which the other which the rest of the greek world mm-hmm. was like that's that's weird mm-hmm. like that's really weird Sparta was not the vibe. Sparta was, I know, that's what the movie, that's why the movie 300 <laughs> still, like, it was a dope movie, but, like, it really gets my nerves because it's like, oh, we're fighting, fighting the Persians who, like, one, like, weren't nearly as bad to their slaves as the Spartans were, and two, like, <laughs> you weren't fighting for freedom. You're fighting for your, like, own selfish gain. I've never seen the movie. It, that's the premise is, like, they're fighting for their freedom. Yeah. Oh, okay. Against, like, the evil tyranny of this empire. We call BS here on History for Weirdos. Yeah, major BS. But anyways, going back to Ona here. Let me tell you what happens. Once they realize that she's left, they take out an ad. And the ad reads, and quote, absconded from the household of the President of the United States. Oh my gosh. Oni Judge, a light mulatto girl, much freckled, with very black eyes and bushy black hair. She is of middle stature, slender and delicate. About 20 years of age. She has many changes of good clothes of all sorts, but they are not sufficiently recollected to be described. And then the ad listed a $10, 10 pound, I guess. I don't know, by this time it would have been dollar. Okay, $10 reward. Wow. Which would have been probably a lot of money. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Sorry. Yeah. $10 would have been a lot of money, um... I'm shocked that they had the nerve to, like, put out an ad. I, I'm, it's, it's really disgusting because, like, you know, we're taught in schools that, like, George Washington's this paragon of virtue. He's almost and, like a mythical figure. Yeah, he's like, you know, probably how the Romans would have viewed Romulus or something, mm-hmm. right? Like, 
And that's how we view, I mean, our capital is literally named after him. And yeah. he's, this is such a POS move. Yes, it really is. And it's, you're right, uh, he's supposed to represent the virtues right. of the United States. One of those being equal right to freedom. <laughs> I know. And it's like, dude, what? I don't understand, honestly. I, and I don't think we could understand. No. Um, and I'm grateful for that. But Ona later revealed that she escaped on a vessel commanded by Captain John Bowles. And um, she does is using his actual name. He left Philadelphia to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. She stated, quote, I never told his name till after he died, a few years since, lest they should punish him for bringing me away, end mm. quote. So I, I, to my understanding, he was just a, a white captain that agreed to take her away. Um, in Portsmouth, I think I'm saying that right, Portsmouth. Yeah, Portsmouth. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, people of Portsmouth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she rented a room with a free African-American family, and she worked as a domestic servant. Then, in January of 1797, she marries a free man named Jack Staines, and they move in together, and they get their own home. He was a sailor. She continued doing domestic work, and they used their home to rent out to lodgers as well. Mm-hmm. So they had multiple streams of income. They were hustling to have a good life oh heck yeah george washington made two known attempts to re-enslave ona first while still in office he sent a letter through the secretary of the treasury oliver walcott jr to joseph whipple uh, who was portsmouth's collector of customs Mm. so he uses his treasury person to be like hey talk to the local guy here Whipple, the Portsmouth Collector of Customs, he was an abolitionist. Mm. But he owed his position to the Washington administration. Right. So he reluctantly agrees to help. He starts to spread word around just saying like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for um, a housemaid, like a maidservant. You know anyone good? Eventually, he gets what he wants when Ona comes in for an interview But Ona gets suspicious because he's not asking her normal interview questions, like about her experience. He starts asking her questions that sound like he's trying to confirm her identity. Mm. Like, where were you born? What's your mom's name? Weird stuff. Oh my gosh, yeah. She gets uncomfortable and she just goes silent because she's so scared. She stops talking. And then he, in her silence, he confesses everything. He's oh like, my gosh. He's like, this is what's happening. George Washington contacted my boss. They asked me to get you. Um, he tries to bargain with her, and he basically says, if you let me send you back to the Washingtons, I promise you that I will get them to agree to free you once they're both dead. Both bull. bull. <laughs> how could you promise something like yeah, that? Yeah, how... So you're going to convince the President of the United States... Yeah. Good luck. And his wife. And his wife. That's right. Yeah. Because she has quite a bit of say in the family. Right. Um, so Ona agrees. Oh, poor girl. She tells him she needs to get some things together and that she'll meet him at the docks at night and she'll go back to Virginia. My girl is not going to do it, is she? <laughs> He's stoked. And He's like, okay, go get your stuff. I'll meet you there. 
But then, much to his surprise, she never arrives at the dock. <laughs> oh, so you don't say. So, you know, she's not going <laughs> to willingly go back into slavery. No. Wow, what a shocker. What a shocker. So smart. I was so glad she played it like that where she was like, you yeah. know, she fought with him back and forth and then was like, okay, no, no, you're right. You're right. Like, there's no way I can get out of this. Yeah, let me just get my stuff. <laughs> So then on October, October 4th, 1796, Whipple writes to his boss, Walcott, these names are very funny. Yeah, Walcott. Uh, that he had failed to secure Ona. At this point, instead of getting a letter back from his boss, Walcott, he gets a letter from George Washington. Oh my God. And he's pissed. And he says to return her by force. That he shouldn't have. He's like, don't play nice, return her by force. Whipple actually responds by basically telling him, like, you know what, dude? I did what I could. This is your battle. I suggest you consult with, like, a lawyer. Wow. He says no. Oh, my God. Good. Finally, good for him. Finally, some backbone. Yeah, geez. So since Whipple isn't willing to help, Washington sends his wife's nephew, Burl Bassett Jr., to get Ona. I had to say his name like that. Burl Bassett Jr. Burl Bassett Jr. Uh-huh. He does this because at this point, he knows that it's not looking good that he's been looking for this girl. It's not good politically. So right. he wants his nephew to like keep it quiet. Mm. Um, and he again tells him, you are you can take her by force. Like, I don't, I don't care. Do whatever you got to do. Jeez Louise. So Bassett, he's a, a very elite, rich... Um, white southern man and he's like oh i totally got this he's really used to getting his way obviously he's very used to black people obeying him right Mm -hmm. and he once he arrives he stays at the senator's house it was senator john langdon and he chose senator john langdon because he knew the langdon family also had a history of slave ownership in the south so he's like okay they're gonna be chill uh bassett tracks down ona And similarly, though, interesting, he tries to talk to her and he lies to her and he says, hey, they actually sent me down here because, like, they want to free you for real. But you just got to go to Virginia to do it. It's like the silly legal stuff. Like, you just have to come with me. Oh, my God. And she just looks at him and she replies in quotes, I am free now and I choose to remain so. And she, like, closes the door on him. He's pissed. Bassett goes back to the Langdon's home. He's very upset um, that she spoke to him that way. And then he's like, you know what? We're going to capture her tonight. We're going to take her from her home. At this point, I think she and her husband have their firstborn baby, who's about one. Um, But he didn't account for everything. Even though the Langdon family, for whatever reason, did not at least publicly consider themselves abolitionists, they had actually already freed everyone working for them in bondage and then offered to rehire anyone who wanted to stay for uh, fair pay. For oh my God, work. wow. Yes. So their house, their house was staffed by black staff, but they were all paid staff and this guy didn't know that. <laughs> Crazy. So Langdon, he's not down for this. He's sends one of his staff to warn Ona and tells her to run. 
Mm, smart. Mm-hmm. We're like, so he's pretending. Same thing. He's playing smart. He's like, yeah, yeah, dude, I'll help you. Yeah, we'll capture her. I got some guys that help you out. But he's letting her know, you got to go now. Like, you don't have time. Yeah. So she flees to Greenland, New Hampshire. Not Greenland, the country, but Greenland, New Hampshire. Um, where she is able to safely hide. This is the last known attempt at re-enslaving Ona. Um, George Washington died shortly after in 1799. Right. And she stated that after his death, no one bothered her. Like, no, She never felt unsafe anymore. Yeah, like, I mean, Martha maybe would have been a big drive, like, in the household, but mm-hmm. she was still a woman mm-hmm. at this time, right? Like Exactly. Like, the, the ex-president's dead. That's... Yeah, you don't really have enough power. Um, right. So George Washington... As I mentioned, avoided the subject of slavery publicly as much as possible. Yeah. He believed it would tear the new fragile country apart. Um, which he I guess was he's, right. He's not wrong about that. Right. But it's definitely something worth tearing the country apart <laughs> for. Uh, upon his death, George Washington owned about 317 enslaved people. In his will, he ordered that uh, those humans be freed after his wife's death. He's when Smarth is gone, just free everybody. However, that didn't pan out um, because technically Martha herself owned more than half of the staff mm. and she didn't, she refused to free them. She uh, let her grandkids, quote unquote, inherit these humans um, and separated dozens of families in doing so. Oh my God. So only less than half of the 317 were eventually freed. That's really disgusting there are some other notable people here that i'm gonna do kind of like a sidebar on to just recognize them some enslaved people um that were owned by the washington's first is william lee um he was known as billy or will lee he was enslaved by george washington and served as his personal assistant he was the only one of the washington's um enslaved workers who was freed immediately by Washington's will because he served by Washington's side throughout the American Revolutionary War and was sometimes even depicted next to Washington in paintings. He was one of the most publicized, if not the most publicized, African Americans of his time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Upon his death, this guy's good to go. Hercules um, Posey was... Oh my god, his name's Hercules? It's a great name, right? Great name. Was an African-American enslaved man uh, serving as the family's head chef for many years. Ooh. First at Mount... Ver- well, not... Okay, maybe... Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that just like goes to show how much of like a fat ass I like, am. Ooh, I was cook. like, oh, but he's a chef. <laughs> um, I apologize for everyone, <laughs> including myself. So he works for them first at Mount Vernon in Virginia, and then he goes with them to Philadelphia as as well, and he works alongside Ona there. Oh, okay, cool. Sometime in 1797, he escapes. Oh! And he flees to New York, where he lives until his death in 1812. He was legally freed, you know, technically, upon Mm. Washington's death. He was owned specifically by George Washington, not by Martha. Um... But his children remained enslaved for the rest of their lives by Martha Washington and her family. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Then we have Christopher Shields. He was a house servant 
Um, and his escape attempt was foiled by George Washington himself. Um, three months later, this man was at his side when George Washington died. Oh, my God. And then two more really quick. Deborah Squash and Harry Washington, obviously we see where Harry got his name, mm-hmm. were enslaved by the Washingtons, and they both su- successfully fled as well. And they fled separately at separate times, but they each actually joined communities of free black people in the U.S., and they formed um, their own communities in other countries. Um, oh. Yeah, one was, oh, I can't remember, a really cold place. <laughs> but they there's just these communities of people that were like, screw this place, we're yeah. leaving. Um, so this is quite a ha- quite a handful of people that were able to escape the Washington ownership. Good. Anyone who who gets liberty is always like, it's always yes. a win. Totally. Um, so then back to Ona. Yay, our girl. Ona and Jack have two daughters and a son together. Um, but unfortunately, Ona outlived her husband. And then eventually she does outlive all of her children. No. I know. I can't think of anything more painful. She became increasingly involved in her local church community as well as the abolitionist movement. In late 1845 and early 1846, Ona gave two interviews to abolitionist newspapers in New Hampshire, sharing her experience. Wow, that would have been really incredible. Incredible. You can read them. You can read the interviews. They're online. Um, Ona passes away February 25th, 1848 in Greenland, New Hampshire. And while I'm not entirely sure of the logistics or legality of her status at the time... I believe it's important that we remember her as a free woman. Oh, yeah, I love that. Mm. Absolutely. She she definitely earned that. She earned it. And that is the Not story. Not that you actually have to earn it. Oh, such a good point. Right? But like, it, if you She do, fought for it. She fought for it, yeah. That's a good point. I want to make that exceptionally clear. Mm-hmm. She fought for it, and she fought for the freedom of others. You That's know? really beautiful. With her broken heart, it, she really put herself into the movement work there right? and did a lot of good. And sharing her story probably did give people so much hope. Oh my God, I could only imagine. And that is the story of Ona Judge. Yay. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Also, really, really random. But Tell do you me. know Greenland is actually not a country. It's a possession of Denmark. Oh, I didn't. Wow. Yeah, You super learn random. new things on this podcast every day. <laughs> yeah, right? So let me share my sources really quickly. Uh, whitehousehistory.org forward slash the remarkable story of Ona Judge. Noise. ushistory.org. Uh, the president. The article was called The President's House in Philadelphia. And you can find actually a lot of great information, not just on Ona Judge, but on the other enslaved people who lived on Mount Vernon at mountvernon.org. Oh, that's really amazing they do that. They have um, these artist renderings of every single person's silhouette based on descriptions that they could find like like hers like hers yeah you could see her silhouette there uh, and they try to really give a good and i know this has been a, a, a more modern effort but i think they try to give a very good holistic picture of what life was like at mount vernon and how different it was obviously for white people versus black people there yeah and i think it's important like it's because it's very history important. right like we want to know the truth yeah. Not just some idealized version of it. I know. Then that's such a great 
way of putting it, that's exactly why I wanted to share this story, even though it's challenging to think about. I don't want to live in the idealized version. I get, I get why people are drawn to that. Yeah, um, absolutely. But I rather live in the real version of history right. and be fully aware so we could do better. Exactly. It's easier to live in the idealized, but it's not the right thing. 100%. Oh, well, I talked a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's always hard when it's your week, isn't it? Like <laughs> It is. But I, hope... I but and I also second you in yes. saying that it's it's better when it's not your week. <laughs> Cuz I I get to like I get to be here, listen to you tell a nice, well, it's a good story. Yes. Um, and I just get to chime in with like random facts about Rome or ancient Sparta or Greenland. <laughs> it's so necessary. I know, right? It is so nice though when it's not your week and it's just story time, basically. It, it really is. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're three or 30. Story time is incredible. Three or 30 story time is incredible. 100%. Ooh, we should put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and then we each take turns wearing it depending on whose week it is to go. Exactly. I love it. Well, thank you so much, weirdos, for listening to another episode. Please check us out, as Andrew said, on Instagram. Let us know your thoughts. Rate, review, and subscribe. It helps the, ep- the podcast continue to grow. Exactly. Well, until next time, weirdos. Until next time. Just as you were starting, I was about to cough. (laughs) So hold on.